Hello, welcome back to Reading Radio. I'm Alora. And I'm Jason. This month's book is Indian in the Cupboard by Lynn Reed Banks. And this is one of the classics that I read, I know, when I was a kid and really enjoyed it. So I thought we'd bring it back around for the show. Plus, it was the top vote getter in the Reading Radio Facebook group. So if you want to have an influence on what books you read, you need to go over there, join the group, and vote. That's important because we're going to try to do as many books as we can from that list and then let that list continue to grow. Yeah. So we're recording this a little bit earlier than you're hearing it. Uh, this was recorded back in August. Uh, so summer's still in full swing. Hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe uh, we're a little freer to move around the country. <laughs> maybe more activities are open. Maybe people are not getting sick and dying quite so much. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah, what have you been up to, Alora? Um, I joined the cross-country team for my local high school, which has been interesting. Yeah, you've never really run before. How's that working out? It's good. I'm not the um, best, but it's a, still a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. Yeah, cross-country was always fun for me. It was, I wasn't good either, but it was, a, it was a great camaraderie builder. A lot of good friends from the cross-country team. Shout out to any of the Cow Valley cross-country folks. That's what we called ourselves. Somebody made a t-shirt with it and we thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, I'm still working through things at work and uh, trying to remain sane being in a sports family now. So we have cross country and volleyball. We're running all around in. That's uh, been interesting. Um, reading a couple of the really good books that we wouldn't review on the podcast. Um, right now one's called How God Changes Your Brain. And it's about how spiritual activities, even unrelated to any particular deity, uh, change the neural pathways in the brain, how meditation helps and all sorts of things like that. It's really interesting to learn about the interaction those kind of activities have in your brain. Hmm. That's interesting. What about you? What else are you reading? I am reading Personality Isn't Permanent, which is one of the books you gave me, actually. Yes, it's a good book. Yeah, it is good. I enjoy it. Yeah, you've been getting into a lot of psychology stuff right now. You fi- did you finish your psychology course for college? Both psychology and sociology. Yeah. Which one are you enjoying more? Psychology. You like the individual? Yes. Well, the individual as the individual as opposed to how they interact in a group. Yeah. All right. Will you want to give um, the high level overview of this book? This book is about a boy named Omri who finds a cover that makes his plastic figurines come to life with their own personality. Yeah. It's a little like yes. Toy Story, but he's aware of what happens. And they're like, they're real people, it seems like, drawn from their time instead of being just mm-hmm. si- like simply dolls come to life. Which makes it interesting because then they all have like the customs, what they were doing before this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which causes some conflict we'll talk about in the spoiler mm-hmm. zone. So what do you think on your rating for this book? It's tough because I remember this book as a kid and maybe it's because we read the entire series or at least the first three books, I think. And I remember it being a lot more interesting. So I'm thinking of this kind of like a prequel. It has to set up the story and then you move into you know, deeper story as you get through it. So I'm actually going to go probably about a three, maybe three and a half on this. I'll go three. I'll go three to make it even. I think, what about I think you? we're about there. It was interesting, but it wasn't one of the best books I read. So three down the middle. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend reading the second or maybe the third and just seeing if, if it gets any better. I think there's actually more than that now. I had to go look it up. What about the age rating for this book? This is where it gets a little bit controversial. The room, the reason people dog this book is because it is not aged well. Um, the stereotypes of Little Bull and to a lesser extent Boone, because nobody cares about the poor white Indian, or I'm sorry, poor white cowboy, um, don't age well. And so if you're concerned about those types of things with your kids, there might be um, 
might be some concerns or uh, there are, there is some violence, some talk of violence, some actual violence, um, some blood. So I'd, I'd still say it's, but it's, it's childish. So I'd still say like probably eight and up. I don't, as far as being able to read it, I don't, rem- I don't know that there's anything difficult on it, but I'd, I'd probably say eight and up, maybe 10 and up, but I want to say we read it in like second or third grade. I would agree with that. It's not like, it's not that hard of a read. It's not very long either. And there's no, vi- like not a ton of violence or language. So I say eight or nine. Yep. There's a lot of, well, there's a lot of yelling between the brothers and then violence between, well, we we'll, wait a minute. Wait, we'll wait to the spoiler zone. Don't want to, don't want to spoil anything. So is that, is that all we have for the, the pre-roll? Pretty much. I think so. All right. All right. We assume if you've never, if you've never, Listen to our show before. We assume that you've read the book. We're going to now move into our spoiler zone. We're going to talk about everything. If you haven't read the book, go read it. Come back and listen with us so you know exactly what's going on. Otherwise, the rest of this conversation is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Now we enter the spoiler zone. Dun, dun, dun. I'd still love for somebody with some talent to make us a stinger for that. We could throw in here. <laughs> It'd be fun. All right. So let's talk about this. So, Omri gets this cabinet from his brother because his brother's cheap and he found it in the backyard or back alley and then just happens to find a key that when they when put together creates magic. I'm fine with that. It, it, it's yeah. a great little story. And, but Patrick's kind of a jerk. <laughs> like from the beginning, he got him. To, I don't, this toy doesn't work for me because I don't have anything to play with it with and I know you don't either, but here, you can have it for your birthday. Yeah, that's kind of mean. I feel like nothing would have been better. Just a happy birthday and a handshake. Yeah. Especially if you're going to do something like that. And then, um, so he goes on and he's just like, has this cupboard, decides to put the Indian in it because he can and doesn't have anything else to put in it. Yeah. But then it turns out that little bull comes around and he's alive and he's, he's, he's a walking fifties uh, movie cowboy kind of thing. Like, just the way he acts and talks, which leads me to believe maybe this is all some imagination. Like it's, it's controlled. Maybe, I don't know. The magic's controlled through the mind of the child. Like he sees everything as he assumes it would be. Mm. There's nothing that seemed to surprise him too much. The fact that uh, Iroquois didn't have horses. So he thought Indians had horses and he's like, Oh, but not Iroquois because they lived out East, um, Northeast instead of out West where the wild, Mm -hmm. wild horses were. That makes sense. So the magic happens, and he starts to figure out he can bring stuff to life. And Little Bull is very demanding. Yeah, it's uh, what they call the Napoleon complex. <laughs> You're a little guy, you have to boss people around a little bit more to try to be, try to find uh, respect. And Omri went for it. So he was frustrated by it, but at least went, went for it. And what else are you going to do? You've brought this person to life. You're shocked kind of running in catch-up mode to figure out what's going on. What would you have done if you suddenly found that one of your stuffed animals or plastic, I mean, you, didn't, you didn't have a whole lot of little plastic figures. What would you have done if you came to life? I don't know. I probably would have thought I was hallucinating or dreaming. But if anything you have comes to life, you tell me, and I'll tell you if you're hallucinating or not. <laughs> what would you have done? Probably, I'd probably been close to Omri. Probably kept it quiet, tried to figure out what to do. Um, 
And then at some point probably put him in and just locked it and not gone back for a while. Or I would have turned everything. I would have brought everything I had to life. and would have had a catastrophe on my hands. Because <laughs> I did. Like, if, you, if it's plastic, then I had a lot of G.I. Joes and things like that that I could have, you know, Transformers could have thrown in there. It would have been great. Transformers come to life. That seems very um, dangerous. Yes. Be tiny. Yes, it would have been. But What'd you say? They'd be tiny. Well, they were four to five inches, depending on the, on the one you had. So, How do you explain yeah, those injuries to your mom? I wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> interesting, interesting conflict comes up when, when he finally tells Patrick what's going on. Which he kind of had to if he wanted to maintain his friendship. I get that. But you can't let somebody in on a secret like that without a lot of consideration. Because there's just problems that are going to come. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that he didn't respect like the power of what this thing was. He, it was really like a toy, not like he didn't see Boone as a person for a long time. Yeah. Boone was an interesting character. Because he was very different from Little Bull. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of a wuss, trying to trying to live up to the standards that he's had for himself, but couldn't quite make it happen. Mm-hmm. Kind of sad, but it's cute at the same time. But really, uh, really racist. Yeah. Like for that is one thing for a kid's book. Like he was kept talking about the dirty, smelly engine kind of stuff. And it's like maybe that's how people would have talked during the old West time. Maybe it's what comes out of movies and the kid's imagination. But it's it, it was like, man, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Did you not think so? Well, not as bad, but it was still like cause um little bull was there the whole time. It's not any better to say things like that to someone's yeah. face. I mean, Little Bull gets his revenge, right? <laughs> Shoots Boone in the chest with the arrow. <laughs> I probably would have done something like that eventually. Yeah, I mean, you can only take so much of that stuff. Um, I think I told you that the scene where they bring the medic in for Boone and uh, Patrick is watching him to see if he's breathing it has stuck with me since I was probably whenever we read it second or third grade. And I think about it all the time. It says the movement of his chest for breathing was kind of like watching the movement of the minute hand on a clock. And every time I'm close to enough to a clock to see the minute hand just slightly moving, I think of that passage. So that has stuck with me hmm. for, you know, 32 years or something like that. That's cool. I couldn't have told you what was happening around it other than somebody was injured. And I actually thought it was Little Bull in my head. I didn't realize that it was Boone until things started to happen. And it could have been in one of the other books for all I remembered. But I remembered that line, and I remembered it came from this series. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how do you think this compares with things like Toy Story, Night at the Museum, other uh, toys or whatever come-to-life stories? Well, in those, like, the person isn't really aware of what's happening. Well, not in Toy Story, but in Night at the Museum, he finds out pretty quickly. Yeah. Toy Story, it's kind of like the toys are having their own world. But then, like this, they are interacting with the toys and the humans. Yeah. Talk to each other, which adds an interesting thing because it's, like, different expectations. Right. And in Night at the Museum, they do believe they are whatever, like, uh, Teddy Roosevelt believed he was Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. 
but we don't know for sure whether or not it was like, you know, this was actually supposed to be a person brought to this time from the past. And I don't think in the movie it was actually Teddy Roosevelt brought forward, but it might as well have been because he believed himself to be and he knew everything about Teddy Roosevelt. And in Toy Story, they don't have to eat and things. Oh, that's that's a good point, yeah. But then um, he kept having to bring food up for Little Bull. Which weird, he was a couple inches tall. That can't take much no. to feed him. But I did love that he, he had like the entire little hut done. Like a little, he brought everything in for Little Bull and he, he built himself a little hut. But at some point, you have to kind of send him back. Like you, can't, you can't continue to build an entire village of, of Native Americans in your, in your house. I probably would have tried. It would have been discovered pretty quickly. Well, maybe not in your room. You can't find anything in there. Hey! <laughs> Sorry. So what other thoughts do you have on the book? I thought it was really good. I don't know, like, I don't know quite what I was expecting when I started it, but it was um really good. When you kept saying, Did- I pictured the scene from Harry Potter, like the beginning where he's just playing with the toys along the shelf. I don't think it's in the books. It's just in the movie. I don't know. They, like, corresponded in my head somehow. Oh, he had the little metal figurines yeah. or something. Things that he'd stole, like, well, I don't know if he stole them, but he got, like, leftovers from... Dudley. Dudley, thank you. I almost blanked on his name. <laughs> All right, so I, I kind of gave you my favorite scene with the breathing thing. Just because that line stuck with me for so long. What was your favorite scene in the book? My favorite scene was probably when um, Patrick defended Omri from the store owner when he had the toys out because he had to let a uh, little bull pick out a bride. Yeah, how tough would that be? Like, to be accused of stealing? Yeah. And like, what are you going to do? Because you weren't. They're yours. Yeah, but who's going to believe that? <laughs> I mean, he was a little old to be actually make-believing that his little guy had to pick a wife, right? Yeah. If he was like five, that might, that might make sense. But he's a little too old to be believing in make-believe. It was like Calvin and Hobbes, and it was just in his head. I mean, I guess it didn't say that, but like the whole thing was just a dream. He was imagined little bull. Well, but Patrick saw it too. Nobody else sees Hobbes. Yeah, I realized that after I said it. And that one, Bill Watterson's, of course, never revealed the truth. And you choose to believe whichever way you want. Either he only comes to life when it's just Calvin, because we, so we can keep it a secret, or it is all in Calvin's imagination. Either way, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How, would you, how do you think uh, Omri, and, well, Omri and Patrick felt having to send everybody back? I feel like it'd be sad. Because, like, you've grown to make a relationship with the character, with the um, people. Mm-hmm. You have to get rid of them. I mean, they know they can get them back, but they still have to go. Yeah, and it's also going to be dangerous to bring them back, I suppose. Yeah. Like you're going to have to start this whole thing over again. Well, they're still going to remember. I hope so. But maybe they, well, I guess Little Bull remembered. Because the doctor remembered. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. I like the doctor. The doctor was cool. Oh, you're back again. What do you need me to fix this time? Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm halluc- I'm having another hallucination. All right, let's move on. <laughs> like, okay, bad dream. Let's make it happen. Yep. But it was nice they at least had the medic there that you could you know, kind of bring him to life and, and save everybody. I might try to rotate in and out, like interview people, send them back, 
like not keep them around to be alive but projects would <laughs> just kidding. night now you're moving into the world of bill and ted's excellent adventure so if you combine indian in the cover with that that would be great i've never seen bill and ted's excellent adventure so i can't say i know because it's a lot dirtier than i remember it <laughs> when we tried to watch it we'd have to watch it like on on a tv edit version or something um but basically these total losers go get a time machine to go back in time to to master their history class and they end up getting Socrates and Napoleon and random Viking or barbarian and then Joan of Arc and they bring them to to their history assignment and have them present for their history assignment and chaos and calamity ensue the whole time because they're just weirdo guys that are, aren't very bright <laughs> they keep running into all these troubles but they're going to save the world someday so that's why they've they've sent somebody back in time to give them the time machine to make sure they stay together. It's weird, but it's hilarious. <laughs> that's one of the things I think about. No one's invented a time machine to and came back in time to stop me from making any decisions I've made. So I can't have gone too far off the right path. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that. leave leave the whole time travel conversation for another time. Anything else about this book? Uh Nothing I can think of. All right. So I think that's all for this month episode, unless you have anything else to add. No, it's kind of a short book, so a shorter conversation is fair. But are you going to read the remainder of the books, do you think? I might. Since like, I haven't been able to go to the library to find a physical series. As I recall, the first book was not available for our audio download from the library, but the second book was. Weird. So, well, more people start with it and less people move on, but you can always try to get it there. Um, our next book is going to be The Secret Garden. Yes, that was the next book in in our vote for, uh, well, on the Reading Radio Facebook group. So we're going to kind of follow right down the line, although I might have a Laura throw in a few newer books since most of what people suggest were classics, since the people who are there are a little older. Although we do have The House of the Scorpion I've never heard of from a, one of your friends in the group. So I've never heard maybe that's that. a book. You've never heard of that? Well, you have to ask her if, she, if it's okay. Well, I'm assuming it's good since she recommended it. We'll go with The Secret Garden next. And then right now, it's Of Mice of Men would be the next book. And that's another shorty. So maybe we can combine that and something else. All right. But, that would be fun. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Reading Radio. You can find the, all of our podcasts at reading-radio.com. And if you go and search for Reading-Radio Book Club on the private Facebook group, you can join us there. We'd love to hear from you and get your insights on what books we should read and any insights you have on this book or others that we've read over the past. This show is all about building a community of people who love literature, particularly young adult literature, and especially helping parents and their kids connect. So we hope you can do that with us. Until next time, this is Jason. And this is Alora. Happy reading. Thanks for listening. <laughs>